Welcome to Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. I am your host, Dave West, codename Phantom Troublemaker. We're doing something a little special here. Noel and Christian couldn't make it tonight, but instead, I am talking to the folks from Whiskey Jack Toys who are behind the Legends of the Hidden Force Kickstarter. Now, I, I say Kickstarter. That's not really fair because this is Legends of the Hidden Force, like world concept toy line, like starting yeah. point of something that I think looks really special. But before we get too deep into it, guys, please introduce yourselves and sure. tell me your favorite action figure. Oh, that's impossible. <laughs> Matt, you go first. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Matt Smelser. Um, my favorite action figure is. Probably a uh, Swivel Arm 1983 Flash figure from G.I. Joe. All right. Uh, my name is Darren Howlett, and my favorite action figure. Ugh. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Airborne uh, from what, 84? No, 83. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, that, that's mine. Uh, that airborne well airborne and flash both we've we've actually had a lot of fun with flash uh on audible interlude because in discovering some old marketing there is animation with two flashes in it's one of the early commercials oh yeah and they just for whatever reason the the people behind the whoever put the commercial together i guess assumed flash was a troop and not like a singular entity so you have two flashes in one of the shots so double flash has been kind of a thing we've gone back to a few times uh and airborne i mean also one of my favorites like one of the early like really unique different color looking like yeah stood out a lot in the exactly yeah i love action figures i love them since day one but that was the first one that something just hit something triggered in me i was like this guy is awesome and yeah well, there and those a... O-ring, which for the listeners who, who mm-hmm. and, and for the people watching on YouTube who may not have seen Legends of the Hidden Force yet, uh, we mentioned it's Kickstarter. Everybody needs to go there right now. Uh, <laughs> we, we all know how to use Google, so we're not going to throw up like we're not going to give you a, a www dot right. Google Legends of the Hidden Force Kickstarter. It's the first thing that comes up. It is. Uh, and first of all, I want to talk to you guys about the art in, in the top image here. Sure. This looks like the cover art for what would have been the greatest NES game of all time. <laughs> Tell me about how this art came together, first of all. Sure. I, so all I said to Matt, Matt said he knew of somebody that could do some art for us. And I said, all I want is our characters to look like they're in a Drew Struzan poster. And Drew Struzan, you know, famous for doing like Raiders of the Lost Ark and and star wars and he just does these sort of collage images of characters in different scale and different depth and matt's like i think i think this is our guy and so matt can tell you yeah so i've got a friend of mine that is a huge comic artist collector and i was like he's the first person i want to ask and he's like who can do uh, who do you know that can do artwork that's kind of that classic 80s uh vintage style and he's like, oh, yeah, you, you've got to use Scott West. And and he sent me a cover. I th- I'm not exactly sure which publisher it was, but it was one of the newer comic, uh, probably the newest comic uh, for G.I. Joe publisher. And that was like a dusty artwork that just matched the original card art. I was like, okay, we got to get a hold of this guy. Oh, that's and, turns out, and turns out this guy lives like 
you know, 30 minutes from me. So I was like, Hey, this is great. This guy lives really close to me. Let's contact him and see what's going on. Um, and, you know, we put together like, Hey, this is the character's names, the descriptions, send him the turnarounds. And, and he really, and then Darren sent him some really good information about kind of art direction of what he was expecting. And this guy took it and just, he just knocked it out of the park. And really what I thought was great about it is that it's almost like when we saw this art, it was like, yes, this is, this represents the characters for who they are. So he did a great job of interpreting our mess of art direction into something (laughs) amazing. Yeah. Isn't it wild how artists can sometimes kind of take, because I've had the same experience where I give them kind of, here's a bunch of bullet points or information or whatever. And I, I, can sort of picture what I want, but then the, the artist comes back with, oh my gosh, th- yes, I didn't even realize quite what yeah. I was asking for, but this is it. Yeah. Uh, oh. Well, it looks phenomenal. And and as you know, for, for anybody who goes and checks it out, uh, this is, you guys really, I feel like, have put a lot of time into this. When did this concept first kind of come together and how long have you been working for it because this this thing looks so polished to me sure yeah what uh when, when yeah what what was <laughs> kind of the I'll when, when did the spark first hit you guys sure. so we had kind of uh, spring of 2020 we kind of had this idea of hey what would of doing something with ninjas look like and obviously coming from a, a huge gi joe fan background we were looking at the original Kage and some like, hey, what if we did something that kind of followed suit with those guys? And it just really didn't really go anywhere. And then Darren's like, hey, I got some ideas. And <laughs> and 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 sure, Darren definitely has some ideas. Like, I, I don't <laughs> see how his brain can can spit so much stuff out. But he gave me like some concepts and I was like, I, I don't really know where you're going with this. And then you know, this was probably July of 2020. Um, he sent me something with like 12 names and just some slight descriptions and said, Hey, let's, let's, what do you think about this? And that was really when we started looking, okay, like, so we got ninjas, let's start looking at like from design standpoints and then like, here's the characters and start going from there. So that's really when it all kicked off. Um, so yeah. two and a half years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we had, I mean, Matt and I had worked on something before, you know, from about 2015 to 2019, we'd worked with another toy line that we're not going to go into too much here, but we'd had, we had a a working relationship with, you know, spitballing ideas back and forth. And um, yeah, at the time we were like, let's, I, I was ready to make, when that thing ended, I was like, I'm ready to go into making toys for us of our own toy company, what have you. And, uh, um, at the time, I have I was really lucky to be dialed into what was going in on behind the scenes, which is a lot of stuff that's coming into fruition now. So I was like, "Hey, man, there's like four or five military three and three quarter inch toy lines being worked on right now." And that was, you know, that was uh, Call Sign Longbow, Operation Recall, Delta Seventeen, which still hasn't come out yet, but it's about to. And um, what was the other one I missed? Oh, Strike Force Alpha. And then there's yeah. a couple others. And I was like. If we tried to do something military, which we were interested in, we had a couple of concepts there. It was like, we're just going to get lost in the crowd. Why don't we do something adjacent, something that everybody's already comfortable sort of fits in with all the military, uh, but also 
doesn't necessarily have to if people are getting that fatigue so we went with ninjas and i think honestly i, I remember when we were sitting talking i think we had three or four genres that we were talking about but i think honestly we were it was matt that economically said if we do ninjas we need the fewest amount of body parts right away it was yes. the fewest amount of new molds because we could reuse a lot and it's totally acceptable I was like, that's a great place to start. We can talk about other things later, but let's start there. That's the affordable one that we can get in with. So, yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that because to, to me, you know, I going back to the 80s, uh, being, you know, loving Masters of the Universe, uh, and well, and, and the original G.I. Joe, uh, something that's always fascinating to me about toy lines is seeing how shared parts can be used without being obvious well even the current classified series right those guys are geniuses with putting you two figures with a lot of similar or a lot of the same parts next to each other and you don't it it doesn't jump out at you and you guys have done something very similar here where where you have all of these unique noteworthy characters that stand out but then once you start looking at them you're like oh wait a minute i see this and this and this but they're all very unique that's all matt that's 100 percent matt matt comes and and the thing that i wish you guys could all see is that when we're i, I there the new term for it i see I, seems to be ideation pro- the process the process yes. where we're just throwing ideas back and forth back and forth and refining them uh when we're in that phase like those 24 characters you see there i'm sure matt probably put forth at least about 200 designs or 150 designs (laughs) and then we just narrowed it from there we're like oh let's tweak that one let's tweak let's adjust this one and then making them all visually distinct but his stuff anytime we work together the the amount of stuff that ends up on the cutting room floor is mind-boggling like the amount of designs that we have that are in our back pocket because they're just like well those aren't those aren't the ones we want to start with, you know, but that's, that's how he works for sure. Just does everything. Uh, During that process of kind of narrowing it down to the, the first characters that you wanted to present to the world, were Mm -hmm. there any, and we don't have to get too detailed, but were there any that you got a little attached to that you wish could have been here, but you, you just had to make hard decisions about? For me. Yeah. I, there's two females in, and not to be all, 1980s Kenner about it or whatever but there's one good girl and one bad girl sure um, sure there's one on each side that I really like and that's not to say that there's only one girl on each there's there's a couple on each side but I really wanted both of them to make it to the initial lineup and it's just not in the cards uh, they'll they'll make it into the next ones so okay. yeah yeah and Matt. actually actually <laughs> uh I don't mind giving the name but a character named Oni um he we really wanted him right up front but we couldn't get him in right away because he just demands too many new body parts so okay okay yeah yeah i I don't know i i think for me it was hey let's just pitch out the designs and because it's really funny is it looks um if you look at tori uh sensei tori i mean he's unashamedly a cobra kai inspired right (laughs) and and it's funny how he came to fruition was like I was just going through and taking anything we and everything and saying, "Hey, here's a hilarious way to use this figure," and then Darren's like, "Oh yeah, we can use him for this guy." Or and you'll see, like we did this later on. Uh, we've got a character that's slated for a couple ways down the line of of another like uh, you know guy from one of the comics, and, and it was like, "Oh, we can reuse him here as this character." Yeah. So it's kind of that cool stuff that. And so for me, it was more. 
I, I like pitching out the designs and, you know, Chad's not on here to, to, to bounce this off of, but that's, that's really where Chad was so instrumental in all of this is that he, he, as the consultant, he was really good about saying, Hey, that's cool. Or yeah, I wouldn't do that. And really mm-hmm. keeping like me and Darren in check. So as far as like <laughs> anything that, that I think that I would like to get out soon, I, I don't think there's anything like, I'm really happy with the the lineup that we've put together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm same here. I like, I really like our, our initial lineup. I think that it covers most of the important bases right off the bat of characters. But I mean, I, without giving away the whole story, um, I think that I mentioned elsewhere, uh, you know, the first couple of series, it's all ninjas. The next couple of series, it's mostly ninjas, but there are other elements brought in later on. And those demand all new tooling from ground up. And I'm excited for them to come along, but story-wise, they're not even in the story yet. They're not part of the story landscape. So, you know, I'm I'm really excited for uh, whole groups of characters and whole factions that are coming up um, in due time. You know, they'll they'll make their appearance and everybody will love them, but they're they're down the road. Well, I'm glad you brought up story because that you know the the first thing you see is oh ninja action figures and right. ninjas martial artists uh, just have this broad appeal and, and you said so many military lines. It's funny to think of of the O ring military market as being crowded, right. but in a sense it is right now. Yeah, as you mentioned, longbow operation recall, uh, yeah. even the GI Joe stuff, if anymore yeah. ever comes out. Uh, so, so for a, a bit of a niche market, it is crowded. So Mm -hmm. to go in the direction, uh, of something that, like I said, has such a wide appeal was a good move, but beyond just, oh, cool ninja figures, you guys really do seem to have built a world here. And that's actually what got to me even more than the figures. Once I got into the Kickstarter and started looking around and realized like, oh, this isn't just, hey, this character looks neat. These guys are putting together a story. They have a concept. It's not just, hey, look at this cool guy who looks like he might be a tribute to something that right. you are familiar with. Like there is, there's motive behind all of this. And I think that's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, um, there is a story. And, and that's just it. I don't think that you can have strong characters that exist in a vacuum. Like you, you strong characters and characterizations come out of a story that, that they all interact in. So, um, yeah, so we created a story and honestly, this, the beginning of it, uh, stemmed from in ninja movies, you know, you're watching ninja movies of any kind. Um, they always seem to be beyond human, you know, like they can strike harder, they can jump higher, they can blend into the shadows and we, but it's not, it was never superheroes. They were just sort of better than that, better than the average Joe. And uh, I said, I just want to, I was playing with that. I was like, well, to me that there has to be a reason. There has to be a context. There has to be a, a, there's, there's gotta be something behind why they're, it's not just training. There's gotta be something. So it all started with this. We decided upon, um, yeah, there's a flower, this flower that only grows in this one spot in their village. Uh, it's the only place in the world that they know of that this flower grows. And uh, when depending on how you take this flower in, how you eat the flower, 
depends. It sort of instills little, slightly kind of above human abilities for a slow, short duration. And that might not be the emphasis or the core of the story uh, in the beginning. You want to get to know the people and the relationships and and what's going on in this village of Hurai. Uh, but later on, when people come knocking, it definitely has to do with the flower. And so, like, that's, that's yeah. So there's the beginning of the story. I mean, it doesn't get into any of the characterization, but as soon as we had that, we were like, okay, well, here's this thing. Other people might want it. All of a sudden we have conflict. We have conflict in the town. We have conflict outside the town. And then it just started, characters just started coming. Like we just started knowing who was who. We had great designs and ideas for these people. But all of a sudden, as soon as we realized what the conflicts were, we are like, oh, well, this guy's obviously on this side. And this guy is going to be paired with this person. They're going to be friends. You know, like they, they just sort of wrote themselves after that. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's, it seems like, you, you know, once you hit on that sort of central conceit, everything mm -hmm. you were able to build on from there. Oh, now that we know this is what this is. Right. This affects, it, it's, it's like the, the butterfly, you know, yeah. wrapped its wings and everything else felt the effects yeah, of absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So just going through the Kickstarter, you guys, since the, because uh, on day one, the pledges were a little bit different from what you've got available now, which mm -hmm. I think is, is one of my favorite things to see when somebody behind something like this uh, takes the feedback and looks at it and, and makes changes based on, oh, well, if customers maybe would rather have this than this, or right. would like to have this as an option. Because uh, you guys started off with, with really very solid rewards because to me it's always key uh ha having never run one of these mm -hmm. which by the way is this the first crowdfund you guys have done yeah yeah this is oh, the first okay. time we've ever done yeah when so b before we get into the the pledges the tears did did you have any awareness of just how involved it was going to be because to me just mm -hmm. looking at a kickstarter seems like insanity yeah. <laughs> yeah, to put it together. Well, it, it is. I mean, I knew right away. And I think originally we, when we started talking about the Kickstarter two years ago, I was like, OK, I need to take that month off work. Like I need to <laughs> remove myself from work for an entire month. Oh my gosh. But but it's just not possible. Uh, I ended up buying a restaurant a couple months ago with a friend and it needs, you know, a lot of attention. So and we were trying to do the Kickstarter a few months back. Uh, and then for a variety of reasons, we just had to keep pushing it back, pushing it back, pushing it back. So like we were ready May, to mainly because Darren's Canadian. So. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, we, we had to push it back because, yeah, exactly. Actually, you know, you're making a joke, but at the same time, that is actually really what it was, what it came down to is because I'm Canadian, for sure. Um, everything we tried to do with the company, although I'd set it up and established it here in oh, Canada where I am. Really? Um, yeah, it it Kickstarter wouldn't do it. Uh, the like the taxation was going to be difficult, so I had to apply for all these different things in the U.S. So finally, I'm, I'm thankfully um, another part of our circle of friends. He's a lawyer in uh, in uh, Mississippi, and um, he sort of just became the face of the company or established the company in in the states for me. So now it is an actual American company and it's subject to American taxes and import laws and all that stuff. So I don't have to worry so much about, yeah, it was, it, it was a, a, quite the ordeal to meet all of Kickstarter standards and requirements. So 
but here we are. <laughs> wow. I ne- that never even would have thought about that. And, th- and that's, yeah. that's the kind of thing I'm always interested in hearing is yeah. getting into the Kickstarter and realizing, oh, we have, you know, we have to do yeah. this. We have to prepare this. Mm-hmm. We have to be aware of this. Yeah. Uh, it just seems like so many different things. And I, and, uh, it, it was pro- I would imagine it was a simpler system years and years and years ago when Probably. it first started. I'm, I'm sure yeah. the company learned as they went along, just like, you know, all of the people behind right. the, the projects did. Uh, so yeah. to get back to the pledges, the tiers, I love to see anytime I, I look at a Kickstarter for the first time, I love to see the ability to get in just at a very simple level of, you know what, I want one of these figures to check it out just to dip my toes into whatever's going on here uh but then you guys also had beyond that uh each of the waves available yeah uh and then added due to the response the ability to sort of mix and match and i think that's important because uh really it's very difficult to be a completist anymore i think anybody who's been collecting toys for the past at least two decades because of rising prices, because of the way that toy companies just have to sell the things that they make. Yeah. Most people are cherry pickers to one degree or another. So it's nice to be able to have the option of like, I don't necessarily want this set of six, but I'd be able to, I'd like to be able to pick which six I want. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And and, And, and you don't want to lock those folks out. No, absolutely. And, and yeah, it was definitely pointed out that there are people there that don't want uh, everything that we're doing. Of course, I totally understand that. And they wanted to pick and choose from those. And I think that not, not adjusting to their needs would have been ridiculous. Of course you adjust to your customers' needs. Right. Um, but, and, and not to, to bury that, but uh, the one thing I wanted to say, um, cause I have done a couple of podcasts now. And the one thing that we haven't talked about, uh, you're talking about being a completist and uh, I, I I am a completist. Whenever I decide to pick up a line, I'm a completist for sure. I'm, oh you know, wow, really? But, but yeah, but uh, you know, it's very rare that I'm. Yeah, I don't know. There's not a lot of lines that that interest me. So when I do okay. commit to one, I commit. Um, but the one thing that bothered me a lot in the, I want to say, I don't know, it was the early 2000s uh, when GI Joe was sort of making its comeback in the three and three quarter inch O-ring form was that all of a sudden, you know, it wasn't just that I had money to buy everything they put out. They were also like, oh, well, you also got to go to Walmart. Oh, but you also got to go to Target. Oh, but you also got to buy this one from Toy Fair and you got to buy this one from wherever. And that used to frustrate me. <laughs> I was like, isn't it enough that I'm willing to buy them all? But, but I have to go to all these places, some of which don't even exist in my country to go find these figures. So, you know, uh, we already talked to a couple of people about the possibility and the potential of doing um, doing uh, exclusives because, you know, it's part of business, especially in yes. small lines. You, you just like, you, have to. Yeah, if it, you need that retailer support and that retailer needs that draw, that one thing that people are going to go out of their way to come to you for. And so I understand the double-edged sword nature of it, but I think that we came up with a pretty unique way to get around it where, so Matt and I kind and Chad, we, we've agreed that none of the main characters, none of the characters uh, are ever going to have to be, you're never going to have to, if you want all the characters, you're not going to have to go somewhere else to go find them you can get them all off the website you can get them all off the people that want to carry our products if they want to carry all our products um 
But for the retailers, <laughs> I don't even know if Matt knows where I'm going with this, but for the retailers, we've got a ton of things that we think are incredibly fun that we just couldn't really integrate into the regular line anyways. They just, they don't fit. It would be such a mix. It would be such a, what have you. But um, we created a sort of a, what we call Halloween costumes. And it's like, okay, well, what if Shinobi for Halloween dressed up as this character? Or what if Tarashi for Halloween dressed up as this character? What would their Halloween costume be? And uh, I, although we don't have any of those to show you at the moment, and maybe, you know, you can sort of, sort of let your mind run wild as to sort of all the different things out there that are brazenly, um, you know, we don't want to outright copy and call it our own, but we want to make very you know, very true and loving homage or homages to these characters. So that, those are the kinds of things that we'll do for retailer exclusives is, uh, you know, these these homages, these Halloween costumes so that people don't feel like they're missing out on the main line ever and have to go to this one small retailer or whatever out of the way to get this. So, but that's, yeah, as far as being a completist, to me, that satisfied the completist in me. You know, I was like, okay, that I can deal with that. You know, that's that's where we'll come up with retailer exclusives. And, and as somebody who's been collecting my entire life, basically, that is my favorite kind of exclusive is when it's a, a redeco, mm. but a very cool redeco. Like, for instance, uh, with Super 7's Ninja Turtles line, Entertainment, yeah. Earth, Entertainment Earth will get like a glow-in-the-dark figure. Yeah. Or uh, just that sort of thing where yeah. I don't have to have this, but if I think it's really cool, that's where I get it. Right. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't, it's not going to impede your enjoyment of the whole line by missing out on it, but it's a fun thing that if you want to get it, there it is. So. Uh, the, those, those are absolutely the best. And, and, yeah. and also the, you know, the benefit for the retailer there is if it does catch the eye of casual fans seems like such an odd thing to say, because I don't right. know that there are that many casual toy collectors <laughs> yeah. out there. Right. We're all kind of lunatics. Yeah. But somebody browsing the site sees, you know, Shinobi painted up like Ryu Hayabusa. And they're like, oh, I love right. Ninja Gaiden. I'll get right. that. Oh, wait, there are more of these. Yeah. And then the retailer benefits because they're selling their exclusive and they throw a couple more figures in the cart with that. Yeah. Like it, it's, Absolutely. That's exactly it. Yeah. It, it's a good, I mean, I, I hate exclusives, but I get it. Yeah. And also... <laughs> And yeah. also, like I said, I, I love them because if it wasn't for those things, we wouldn't get those glow-in-the-dark Baxter stockings right. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like well, the companies have, wouldn't we, bother making them. Yeah, we have. We've been really lucky, and it's not something that we're pro we're putting out there very much. But um, just because it's not until the Kickstarter's over, but there's you know a fairly significant retailer that has expressed interest, and that ha had already come up. They were like, you know. They didn't say it's it's hinging on it, but they just said we're interested in picking up a substantial amount of product. You know, uh, what do we? Are there exclusives possible? And then I said, yeah, well, absolutely. Let us finish the Kickstarter, and then we'll we'll discuss those for sure. So yeah, yeah. That well, that's you know, going for everybody from Big Bad Toy Store to Target. Every yeah. retailer wants to have their own stamp on those yeah. lines that they're carrying. All of them. Yeah. Do. Yeah. And and I think you know. I, I get where it's frustrating sometimes, but in the end, it's really good for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So within the theme of ninjas and martial artists and whatever else, you guys have presented a, a 
pretty big variety of characters. Right now, I'm looking at uh, Master Shujin, yeah, who appears to have sort of a, a blacksmith type thing going on. Yeah, absolutely. And when I when I saw this, I was th- this is another one of the things that really jumped out to me. He's got this soft goods apron. He's got uh, really a different presentation from the rest of the characters. How much fun was it to take? the parts that you you knew were going to be the core of the line and figure out what can we do with this to create a new character how much tooling do we need for a variety of characters like it almost had to be kind of like putting a puzzle together or figuring out oh my god this can go here (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was it was so much but honestly that was all matt and matt matt would go off like and because i'd had some more experience with um the the operational side of things um yeah matt would do that he would say okay well what if we added this part what if we added this part and i said well now we've exceeded the capacity of the mold so now we're looking at another mold we can't afford that you know you got to dial that back a bit which led him to become more creative and more inventive because he wanted to do the weapons entirely i had zero input on the weapons he created and crafted every single person's weapons and uh he was also the one that wanted it to be they're lego compatible right so they're all of the you build your weapon and all of it every single weapon can integrate or is compatible with lego or building blocks in general and the the only reason we talked about that we were just saying that every single household in like there's enough it's like there's 17 lego bricks for every person in the world right now or something like that (laughs) like every single household has some lego so if one kid gets one of our figures it's not a lot of fun unless they have something to play with it with and what should they be able to Lego? if the kid has a handful of lego already they can be doing things they can be making a thing or a or a glider or whatever you could you could already start doing things with your figure you had more toys in the toy box to play with this figure and it's that's where the the idea started and then matt went with that and he was just determined that all of uh, all the accessories that when you build them yes they're perfectly made for our figures but they're also capable of being integrated with lego so yeah or building blocks and I'm glad you brought yeah. that up because you got if uh, Legends of the Hidden Force on Instagram, everybody needs to go follow it because uh, again, very classy. You guys' presentation is is absolutely top notch with Thanks. the motion videos that you've been putting up, uh, the turnarounds of the figures. But when the That's weapons first, yeah. I mean, it's it's I think, incredible. You know what's funny is at Atlanta when we were at Toy Atlanta, I think someone was trying to hire him for animation because <laughs> of those videos he made. <laughs> well. When the weapons first popped up, you know, you see the image first. And I was like, oh, this looks like Lego weapons. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And then you get to reading the description and you you yeah. have developed this modular weapon system that that does literally interact with Lego. Yeah. So getting into that huge that, variety of weapons right yeah. off the bat. Uh, what What was your process for sitting down and figuring out like, this weapon will be this many pieces and will be able to, you know, interact this way. How does it have to be designed? So it, I don't know if it's a chicken and egg thing here, but a lot of it's looking at, we did a lot of research on Kung Fu weapons and just martial arts weapons in general to kind of say, Hey, let's see what, what we can build with these pieces. Right. Obviously we have the standard ninja sword for Shinobi. We knew that had to be like, 
as our main hero, he had to have the ninja sword. But also looking at him saying, I, he needs something more than just the sword. So was, hey, let's make it where he can have a, a double sword and that type of thing. So some of it came down to looking at each character and saying, like, what is it characteristic about this character that is very specific to the weapons? Because as a huge G.I. Joe fan, to me, like the especially the 80s line, you start losing it in the 90s line, is the accessories themselves were almost characters, right? Like you yeah. see like the FAMAS that Dusty came with. And for the rest of my life, that's always going to be Dusty's gun, no matter where I see this thing, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a really wanted that aspect for these as well. And, it, you know, we we went back and forth and back and forth on designs, how these things are going to fit together. Um, we had a different design for the way that the, um, like the scythe and the axe head was going to fit on on oh, yeah. the, the staffs and, and I, for a long time, I feel like I was adamant. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And <laughs> and even on like, if there's some kind of uh, Easter eggs on the artwork of what the accessories at one point look like and have changed. Um, oh, and, yeah. Then, yeah. and then it's like, you know, Darren and Chad were like, uh, and then Chad had a great idea. It's like, well, why don't you just stick it on the top of the staff? And it's like, oh man, that's a great idea. So it's like <laughs> seeing how they, how they morphed. And we really, even some of it was like, how many pieces you know, uh, per figure, can we actually go with? Like, you, yeah. I think um, Manami's nunchucks, for example, probably have one of the most the most pieces involved. Um, and it was like, where we're going to drop certain pieces and keep certain pieces, but right. but it was just really just a lot of it was its function and form and trying to make things look the best because even getting the sizing correct on those was really challenging. It's like, okay, how many rods do we need? Um, what sizes they need to be, and that was—I feel like those things may have changed, you know, five times between when we finally nailed down what the sizes were. Getting 3D prints made, having them in hand, saying, "Oh, that looks really bad in hand," and going from there. So it—I mean, I think the accessories we probably. Well, I'm actually probably still tweaking them to some degree, but, (laughs) you know, I think our first draft of those was in spring of 21. So we're still, um, that was a, I would say that that was the last thing that we finalized on. Like the weapons were the last piece where we were finally like, okay, stop. We were like, stop. These got to go to market now. We're just got to be done. Well, it's, it seems like one of the most challenging things about it would be getting that scaling, right. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because you know, for them to have that compatibility with, let's say, mass market building bricks, right? Uh, but to also keep them scaled correctly for O-ring, yeah, probably had to be a little tough. And it looks to me, you know, looking at these, the, are these actual chain links on these? Yeah, like, linked yeah. pieces. Yeah. The factory that we have, the factory that we have a relationship with now, it honestly, <laughs> I know it's going to sound stupid, but. Uh, there's other toy there's other toy companies that are currently there and have had a long relationship with them and uh, we were running over some of the special feature things that they're capable of just actually at Toylana um, he was there and because uh, we had, I, we we don't design in a vacuum we constantly say hey are you capable of making this is this something that you're, you're capable of doing before we go forward on it yeah oh yeah, yeah we can do that yeah we can do that and then and then he gave me a lit a list of things that we hadn't even known that the factory is capable of. And I literally was like, I, I was shaking like a kid. I'm like, oh my God, the toys we're gonna make with these, like with these new capabilities. Oh my God. But yeah, so the the chains are 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 real chain and then the you know the vinyl cape punch out vinyl capes um in some cases. 
sort of like retro Star Wars style, be just where that makes sense or where it's, yeah. uh, you know, we need the durability. But then in other places, it's also, you know, cloth goods where, which obviously is a little more expensive, but in places where we don't need a necessarily like a, a stronger integrity to the product, um, we can, you know, we would rather do cloth goods than vinyl, but sometimes vinyl is the only way to do it and know that it's going to stand up. So, uh, yeah, but we use a lot of other little textiles and such throughout. There's some paper goods coming. There's some there, you know, there's, there's lots of textiles and we, that was also important. I'm very much like that. I like a tactile thing. I don't want it, everything to just come out and feel like it came off of one plastic sprue. I like it when it's like, Oh, they put a lot of effort and they, they sourced a lot of things to get this exactly the way it should be. So, yeah. Well, and see, that's another thing that's very, very appealing about this is, you know, as a kid collecting Star Wars figures, they were mixed media. You had a yeah. mix of, you know, your your early figures had those vinyl capes, then, yeah. then soft goods were introduced later yeah. on. And so they did have all of those elements and it did feel special when you got something that had yeah. a new type of thing that hadn't been seen before. Absolutely. Yeah. J yeah just wanted... going from the... <laughs> the lightsaber in the arm to the separate yeah. lightsaber yeah. was a huge deal it was oh my goodness that was amazing yeah yeah but yeah uh, so but, yeah well i was just gonna say ever since i was a kid the when when you get nunchucks and it's just one piece of plastic drives yes. me crazy going back <laughs> yeah, to the right. going back to the first michelangelo figure or, or even yeah. uh storm shadow yeah. storm, mm -hmm. which he's a little smaller maybe a little understandable but but like just one one piece of plastic, one tool yeah. plastic nunchuck. I hate it. I get it, but I hate well, it. Yeah, and you know what? There's something that we haven't even shown off because this is this is another thing that's been. I wouldn't say it's been plaguing us since day one. It's something that we really, really want to do right. So we've thrown it at the at the wall. I don't know how many times, but I think that we're finally rounding the finality of it. We we there's the action packs the adventure packs which is you know one part action mission uh and one part extra gear for your figure and an accessory pack but it's also a way that you know if you lose hands because the hands are removable it's a way to get more hands or to switch out a head on an army builder you know each pack comes with extra hands and a head that was important but um Oh my gosh i lost my train of thought here we were talking about the accessory packs which yeah also we're world building yeah which yeah I think exactly is we are world building there but um yeah i i, I lost my train of thought man Darren, do you think it was the uh the figure stand oh yeah that's right that's right we were on the figure stand thanks so the idea was that we wanted a figure stand that wasn't just a figure stand we wanted it to be able to do these ninja poses we wanted it to be able to um put the weapon in action so Matt did amazing renders as you're probably going through and of all of our characters and some of them have the chained weapons say like Raiju or Fury where you see that weapon kind of just off in the air and we wanted something where it was like if you're going to pose these figures um, wouldn't it be cool if you could get an action pose like that where the weapon was in the middle of the air or or some sort of action being portrayed rather than just a battle stand where they're lined up for you know, whatever for roll call, um, where you have something more action oriented. So that's where we're finally we've we've thrown everything at the wall to try to figure out how to make that happen. But <laughs> yeah. uh, Matt's finally come up with the final answer there. So uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's something that uh, I think that I'm trying to put something together this week 
to kind of reveal what that's going to look like because it is it's, it's figure stands it, you know we've if you think about so many of the figure stands that they make today the dynamic posing it's all this clip that clips onto the back of the figure and, and it's a lot of pieces and a lot of parts and it's like what can we do that's simple um, but it can also be used as a static figure stand if you want, but has the ability to do that. And, and of course, like Darren said, it's like with these accessories, with anything that's being thrown, it's like, what, how can we really accomplish that? And, you know, I think we've got a really great solution for this. I'm really excited to show that piece of, uh, and, and just really how functional this piece is going to be. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's so important because, uh, stands are you know if you're going to have any kind of large collection whatsoever stands are key but now uh, we talk a bit about this a lot on the podcast figure photography is such a critical element of the yeah. toy industry now yeah um toy companies are making decisions based on figure photography right. uh, and and knowing the product that photographers are going to want to get into their hands to show to those of us who just collect and oh that's mm. awesome uh so that's having something dynamic like that, that's going mm -hmm. to be something that's useful, not just in play, but in that figure, figure photography. So you get the interest of somebody who's going to go on Instagram, put up that picture of that ninja throwing, you know, the star yeah. or whatever it may be in the air like that. That's another critical component of modern toy making, I think. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Well, and that's it. We were like, we can't offer play sets or vehicles right away. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm thinking about the end product or the consumer, um, you know, we don't, you don't just want to line them up on a shelf. If you're going to buy a handful and there's nothing to support it, the very least we can do is let you put them in some sort of dynamic pose, or at least you're caught up in that action. Um, if you're not fully immersed, you're at least partially immersed. So, and then we'll work on the fully immersion later, you know, down the road. Well, but you guys are doing it, as you said, these adventure packs yeah. that, are you know like the old gi joe like the bivouac and those those mm. little intermediate playset type things right that built the world that gave the joe figures a place to exist in that wasn't the headquarters of the terradrome right. or whatever uh and and you've got uh the forge the, right you, you know these little settings mm. that again for play great for figure yep. figure photography great but also just to have a world on your shelf yeah yeah exactly well thanks for recognizing that that's definitely what we were hoping to achieve so with our limited means yeah so uh i do have a couple of questions here that sure. i pulled uh we've got one from his tank which is of course we all know one of the greatest resources for gi joe but also for all things joe adjacent mm -hmm. uh that's actually where i made contact with chad first yeah. to to talk to you guys uh, so from Ford on his tank, and I think we've kind of dipped into this a little bit. Uh, will any future Kickstarters also be ninja centric or will each have its own theme? Now, he was replied <laughs> to by Z Zassinex, okay. who seemed to provide a bit of an answer with a link to the Whiskey Jack Toys website. But oh, obviously, yeah. we'd rather hear it from you guys. Sure. Yeah, there's no intent. I mean, what whatever we're able to do in the Kickstarter that's that's generally it that's our plan for um for hidden force or legends of the hidden force um but yeah that we do there's two more toy lines coming up after that will also we're i mean 
unless we have a runaway hit somewhere uh, with, you know, a large influx of cash, uh, we're planning on the next two also having Kickstarters. But after that, we plan, we assume we'll be fully self-sufficient. We won't have to do Kickstarters for anything. But um, so for the first four series of, of Legends of the Hidden Force, those are all in, um, yeah, in our Kickstarter. The next four series, because we sort of designed them in four series at a time, um, the next four we're not going to be taking to Kickstarter. They're just going to be available on our website and the retailers that choose to carry us. So, yeah. Let's see. Uh, and then we've got from my co-host Christian, who couldn't be with us tonight, but he sent along a couple of questions. Uh, okay. He said uh, he's curious. You guys have created a fully realized backstory and environment. Is this story something you guys, well, obviously we've talked about it. It's something that you guys have created, but there are mm-hmm. also influences from, you know, throughout the history of martial arts related media, I would yeah. say. Absolutely. Uh, I, I would, in, there are two things that I would encourage anybody looking at the Kickstarter page to do as you scroll through. One, look at all of the weapons and the way that they have been combined in different ways for the different characters. Because seeing the, uh, I guess, climbing claw or attack claw or whatever mounted on top of a halberd is awesome. Right. Seeing the hook at the end of the halberd that you could put a chain on to swing a giant halberd through the air. Like, just delightful looking through this stuff. But also look through and see if you can recognize, because there are definitely some influences in here that are are visibly apparent. Especially uh, there's some upcoming figures that they definitely like that was where we could say, okay, well, these can they don't have to be they don't have to fit so many purposes so we can get a little more specific. And then we started pulling some from some of our favorite ninja movies for sure. Some influences. Are there any favorites from this first? Uh we, we mentioned the Cobra Kai influence. Mm-hmm. Uh outside of that one, are there any uh from this first set of series that stand out to you? Favorite characters or favorite Easter eggs? Uh, well, you know what? Both, both really. Okay. Well, my, my favorite Easter egg would probably be, um, it's either the commando or the, sorry, the ninjas, the, the, that were commandos. I think we call them that at some point at the end, all more or less all of series four. Uh, I like that as an Easter egg, but I also like master Ney as an Easter egg. What about you, Matt? What are your Easter eggs? Yeah. So and it's funny with Master Ney is like uh, part of his original concept. Like he gave me the name and and said, you know, uh, I think he said glowing eyes. And I kept thinking of something very like Raiden or or um, oh, Fusion is I think Fusion maybe uh, inspired kind of like whites and blues and all this kind of stuff. But and even having some alternate alternative names because originally we weren't going to use the actual Japanese names, we were going to use a name like Thunder Soul or something like that for right, Master yeah. Ney. And then eventually what we did, it was like when we started settling on these names, I was like, okay, that stands for rat. It's like, uh, where could that be a really cool influence? And there's definitely some uh, Ninja Turtle influences there, but there's actually, a, a, I think it's a New York Comic Con, like Foot Clan exclusive. And if you see that exclusive, it's like that's where the color scheme really came from. But I love yeah. the fact that he's still so unique, especially in light of all the other characters. He really stands out. Um, yeah. But I think one of the other influences was uh, was Kusa, because um, his name means grass. 
And it's like, okay, so I really wanted something to, with, with greens and camouflages and those types of things. And then we really look for diversity in the characters. And, and if you, if you look at, we, I think we're using three different skin tones throughout the line. One that's more like a classic, what I would call the classic G.I. Joe Caucasian skin tone. Um, and then there's the one, like if you look at Airborne and like Countdown, those guys had different skin tones. Yeah. And if you look at like Master Shujin, if you look at uh, Tori, they all have that skin tone and really wanted to pull some other uh, variations in there. It's like, man, it'd really be great for Kusa to get that stalker influence. Uh, so that's the reason that we met him. And then it's really cool because like we we designed that and then Darren really worked the backstory in on that too, which I think um, is that whole collectively, it's like he gave me the name and a description and I designed a character. And then it's like based on what the character looked like, his backstory was really woven into uh, this the ethnicity that we chose for the character. So I, I think right. that I, I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that, and and again, to go back to it, just the variety that you guys have put together here. I mean, there there's going down uh, Kudan with the big, giant, bulky body. <laughs> yeah. Just, just great to see how you guys put this together and have managed to create something that uh, really does have so much personality. Uh, one more from Christian. Uh, he says, "Anytime there's a monkey ninja, I have to know: <laughs> is there any influence of Sun Wukong? Are they fans of Journey to the West?" No, honestly, what happened was I said to Matt, uh, when I was creating the character of Fury, um, I just said, this guy's going to look like a monkey or, or was it, I can't remember actually, Matt, Matt, you would probably remember yeah. better monkey themed or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I have no idea what you mean by this. So, <laughs> so what he sent me back was, uh, Satori which was Satori looks like a monkey. Like he looks straight up like a monkey. And I laughed because that's not what I meant. I meant sort of a monkey theme. Like I wanted uh, Fury to be like, you know, the sort of mischievous uh, monkey king from, um, you know, various myths. And uh, so then he was like, oh, I get it. I get it. And he came back with yeah. what is now Fury. But that Satori design, when I was, that we knew that Satori was a later character and he was going, he had this, thing that he feels like he's the re-embodiment of this myth about uh an ape an ape man uh, this sort of telepathic ape man story of satori and so then i was like well why don't we just make him dress up like an ape like so that's that's where satori came in as a an original idea of fury but then it made sense for satori so well and it's what's really funny is like when i was sitting there like trying to just put first drafts together and i was like this is so on the nose. And I started putting it together and I was like, this is hilarious. And I really don't think this is what Darren is looking for at all. But even the idea of like, hey, what if we you know, put some sort of tampo on the mask in order yeah. to give it that monkey look? And I really love the way those turned out. Um, just it gives us such a unique look with still by only having to use, you know, we can use that same head how many times throughout the line. So I think that worked yeah. out well. Yeah. And, you know, there's, I was trying to approach all of this very pragmatically. Like I know that we've created a really deep tapestry, a deep uh, story and a lot of characters that we love. We absolutely love these characters. They exist in our head. They, they live. Um, but we, 
I was also nowhere near presumptuous enough to expect that everybody wanted this. You know, we have characters that have Japanese names that a lot of people aren't going to want to bother to get to know. And we know that we knew what we, what we were facing or what, what the uphill battle was. So consciously, we wanted to make sure that every figure stood on its own merits as just a singular action figure. That action figure has to be able to, some guy has to look at that, pick it up and say, I could care less about what the story is, but I want that one in my collection. And so that's where things like Satori made the cut where we're like, well, this is ridiculous. Who's gonna wanna buy a guy that, dry, that dresses up like a monkey? But then we're like, there are people out there that are gonna want monkey figures. We know it. So. There we go. I, yeah, I am, right? I am one of them. Uh, that yeah. well, and that's what. <laughs> see, the the there are a lot of different things that can get somebody into a toy line. There's mm-hmm. there's a great mythology. There's familiarity, like with mm-hmm. GI Joe. Oh, it's GI Joe. I'm going to buy it. Right. Uh, but then there's also something that's just undeniably toyetic, like a guy right. dressed up as a monkey. Right. Like yeah. that's one of the facets of toy collecting. It just yeah. is. Yeah, exactly. And so we wanted to make sure that every figure stood on its own that you didn't have to get into the story if that wasn't something that appealed to you. You just looked at the figure and said, I want, I need to have that in my collection. So, yeah. Well, I think everybody needs some of these legends of the hidden force figures <laughs> in their collection. Uh, you guys, thank you so much for sitting down, taking the time to talk about this amazing, amazing project that you've put together. Thank you. Uh, before we go, you want to talk about in any final things you want to get across about the project and where can we find you where are you going to be in the future sure um well you can always keep up with us at whiskeyjacktoys.com or uh legends of the hidden force uh, wordpress and then um where you can actually physically see us next socal joe show in may i'll be there uh and then we're all the whole of us will be back together again in for Joe Fest, of course. And uh, that's all that we've planned so far. But the plan is to keep everything going. I mean, we're going to try to hit a, sh- a toy show every six weeks um, based on our schedules of availability. So, uh, and bigger yeah. ones, you know, the ones that have quite a draw or quite a draw. Yeah. Crowd. Yeah. And obviously, Instagram and Facebook, we're highly active on there as well. It's probably one of the best places to get us right now. Yeah. yeah, Instagram has really become such a good hub for just sort of keeping track of of things like yeah. this and and being able to, you know, stay on top of developments and things. Yeah. Uh you guys, this has been an awesome conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah. We're Thank we you are so, much so for excited us. about <laughs> this project. Awesome. Uh, I I I can't wait to see this thing come to fruition and see what else you guys have in the future. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun to see you at Joe Fest too. We we can show you yeah. all the prototypes in hand and uh We'll, we'll look forward to that. Yeah, definitely. We'll be there. We'll we'll talk again. I'll 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 have my uh, recorder with with a new microphone just for live <laughs> recording because I learned last year at Joe Fest you can't just hold the phone out and expect it's going to get good sound. So yeah, much more professional <laughs> this year. All right, before Fantastic. we go, because I know we're all fans, can we get a three, two, one, yo, Joe? <laughs> sure. Got it. All right, three, two, one, yo, <laughs> Joe. Joe. Thanks a lot, you guys. All right. right, Thanks. thanks. Bye.
You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.